Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! Before she could pull the covers all the way down, Link grasped her upper arms and dragged her on top of him. She couldn't see what the covers hid, but she could feel it with every naked inch of her own body. Without words, he fused his lips to hers. Her tongue dipped into his mouth and her nipples were crushed against his chest. He raked his fingers down her back and she could feel a coil of heat gathering at her core. Link moaned her name as he pulled one of her knees up so he could fit himself inside her. Raising herself up, Shelley straddled him with her legs and prepared to ride him. Suddenly, they were both wearing cowboy hats and boots. Holding her hat to her head with one hand, she raised the other in the air and whirled an invisible lasso. Shelly bucked on top of Link as though he were a wild bronco. Neil! Yes? Neil, you tease. (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not, this book is about astronauts. (laughs) Also, that is... I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil this whole fucking podcast, but that is the best sex scene in that book, and it was a dream sequence. (laughs) 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 Oh, I guess we should do a podcast now, shouldn't we? Yeah, let's do our podcast. I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. And we're back at it, folks. We are back! <laughs> After a month off for NaNoWriMo, I'm so excited to talk about books and then play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. I am very happy to read uh, to read and talk about other people's books. Uh, no more getting a text from Neil directly after we finish the podcast going, Claire, fuck you, making me read things out loud that I'm not ready to read. And I'm like, I know it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> great, great, great. Um, super duper spoilers. All the spoilers. All the spoilers. If you've come here just for reviews, unfortunately, we will not have just reviews. Uh, We encourage you to go get these books where you can get them in various places, uh, read them, come back, and listen. Or just listen. One of the two. But you'll know what happens at the end either way. Come for the reviews. Stay for the spoilers. Ooh, sassy spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) I picked books. You did. You did pick the books. What books did you pick? We are reading, or we read, and discussing. Ugh. I was so excited about both of these. I know, I know. Cosmic Rendezvous, Kamani Romance, book 133, by Robin Amos, which I have discovered is not the 133rd book in a series. Disappointing. Apparently that company just numbered all of their books, regardless of who wrote them or their relation to each other or whatever. Anyway, and then we also read The Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics, Feminine Pursuits, Book One by Olivia Waite. Yes, yes, yes. And I uh, briefly read the um, the first part of the, the thank yous for this book, and I'm fairly certain this is what I'm uh, gleaning 
from the verbiage that this author has recently discovered that she is queer and decided to write a book about two women falling in love. And I could not be more pleased for her. Good. Good job. Good job. <laughs> but before we get into it, Claire, uh-huh, what's got uh-huh. you all hot and bothered? <laughs> Come up and... <laughs> Oh, ooh, tell me everything. All right. Well, as you know, I am your faithful Twitter correspondent, and I often report to you things that you yourself can read. (laughs) I'm sure our listeners have seen it all already, but... Oh, my God. Um, But a while ago, um, an author who's sort of like... She's a a freelance writer who does mostly articles and things... um, she was she like all the other freelance authors out there who write articles decided to write about how her pandemic is going. <laughs> is this the article you sent me? Uh possibly. And oh. she decided to start writing um romance novels. But she decided to write a uh she decided to talk about this by calling her I decided to st- I started writing porn during the pandemic and here's how it changed my life for HuffPo um, she was roundly called out by um, all the romance authors going one you write romance you do not write porn two you don't even write erotica we read your shit it ain't good <laughs> 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 and and so and then in other places like and I I where you know she did interviews where and the interviewer of course going off of her own article would say something like so you started writing erotica and she'd have to gently say okay I have since learned a lot more about writing romance and I in fact do not write that uh, and so she's trying but it's an uphill battle because she is mm-hmm. fucked mm-hmm. um. One of the best things I saw on Twitter was somebody very gently saying, look, you messed up, but in a way that's not a big deal. You started out writing this because you just wanted to get into it the way the rest of us did. It's okay. Just shut up for a couple of days. (laughs) (laughs) And this will all blow over. (laughs) And she didn't for a long time. But then I think to her credit, she finally did. Um... But, of course, she starts out with, like, I was looking... She really, really enjoyed Outlander Mm -hmm. (laughs) and really, really wanted to read things that made her feel the way Outlander does. She did a bare minimum search on Amazon, couldn't find it, and was like, well, I guess I have to write my own. And in all fairness... She's just, she's a freelance writer. She just decided this was another avenue to make money. <laughs> that's, that's what she decided. She also mm-hmm. is like, I'm a writer and I can do this. So she sat down and she wrote a couple of novellas. They are not novels. She didn't write full books. And then she self-published them. So anybody who's like, anybody who's like, ooh, she started writing erotica. No, she just did what hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other people in the United States did, which was write something that turned them on and then decided to sell it. So, like... <laughs> 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 ba 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 <laughs> Yeah, so for me, because... And has said- since written four since August, by the way. Oh. 
So there is no way any of this is good. Um, you sent me this article and I needed to read it. And the thing, like, I'm happy to hear that she seems to be learning. And I ha- I'm happy to hear that she is, like, trying to sort of walk back some of the things that she said in a way that was like, I was misinformed. And I'm also, like, the, yeah, I, you know, like, I wasn't finding what I was looking for, so I decided to do it myself. And for me, that's, like, the the soul of the romance genre. It's like, I'm not finding what I want, so I'm going to do it myself. Like, that's, I mean, that's the genesis of the RWA and the genesis of dismantling the RWA and <laughs> all of that. And I think that's great and laudable. But the thing that really got me was that she, in this article, she was pretty dismissive of the genre as a whole. Yes. And then it wasn't so much as like, oh, I wasn't finding that thing that I wanted to read. It was like, well, nothing was quite good enough. So it's like, girl, girl. Okay. Right. Well, and then all the things, and it's like her, the thing that she held at the high pinnacle was Outlander. Right. Which is one, a very specific taste. Mm -hmm. Like, you gotta like time travel Scottish romances where the entire thing is from the woman's point of view and it goes on for fucking ever. <laughs> like you have to like that. <laughs> that is a taste. Uh. <laughs> um, and let me also say, there's a shit ton out there. Like if you were just like uh, Outlander knockoffs, you could find that, and you could actually also find ones that are better written than Outlander. Because, I, I mean, you can be into it, fine, but, like, she is, like, there's a lot of rape mm-hmm. in Outlander, and it is, uh, and maybe you're not into the violence part of storytelling, and you genuinely did just want, like, a romance. Yep. Also, if you like Outlander, and you like kind of romance stuff, but you're into the epic story, go read Game of Thrones. Like, sorry, Ice Song of Fire is, like, full of action and fun things and old-timey stuff and ladies being ladies for themselves and people going down on them every once in a while. <laughs> a lot, you know, th- that's fine. Like, uh, you know, go read Mists of Avalon if you want something that's fake feminism. You know, like, this is, <laughs> like, there's, there's other things out there. <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> The gloves have come off. <laughs> off, off, take it. <laughs> Everybody who likes Outlander is like seething deep down in themselves. And I just have to tell you, I have also gotten off to that series. It's okay. <laughs> uh, girl. Okay. Well, I'm glad that she seems to be growing from this experience. Unlike other authors we've discussed in the past. Indeed, mm. indeed, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, but that's me. Mm-hmm. And Neil, yes. what about you? What's you got you hot and bothered? So I decided that I wanted to watch uh, The Christmas Setup, which is the new Lifetime movie. Right. The gay- so the, the premise is a man goes back to his hometown and his pushy mother's trying to set him up with this guy that I think he had a crush on in high school things that I love about this. One, the two romantic leads are actually married in real life, so they are indeed queer men playing queer men. Brava, Lifetime. Well done. 
uh, the meddling mother, played by Fran Drescher. I know, I loved that. I loved that. I was like, yes, bring back Fran Drescher and like, put her in all the gay things. <laughs> she deserves it. <laughs> and we deserve it. Um, so, but unfortunately, because we do not pay for cable, I was not able to watch it. No! So instead, I watched Happiest Season, which is the oh. with Kristen Stewart. I've heard mixed things. I enjoyed it. Good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I have also heard that there are people who take umbrage with it, and of you know, like their arguments are definitely valid. And from like my takeaway was it from it was it's not the best queer movie I've ever seen, but it's definitely one of the better holiday rom coms that I've ever seen. And looking at it from a rom com perspective, like okay, so we meet. Two of the girlfriend's exes, they're both great people. They just, like, happen to be exes because of decisions that the the girlfriend made. Kristen Stewart becomes friendly with one of them. And there was one point in the movie I was like, they should just be together. Just, like, break up with the girl. Go be with her. It's fine. Um, And it had a bunch of people in it that I didn't know was going to be in it. People that I enjoy very much. So that was exciting. Um, And it doesn't... I don't think it's overly long. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, parts of it are definitely heavier and like more uncomfortable to watch than you would expect from a holiday rom-com. So it's like, okay, you like decided to go there. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, Victor Garber almost made me cry at one point. Like, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I understand why people might not like it, but like having not seen, you know, like a prince for Christmas or whatever, like I've not seen any of those those Hallmark or Lifetime holiday movies, but I just get the sense that this is a better crafted story. Oh, for sure. Like, I, I think at this point, Christian Stewart is not going to do a holiday rom-com, even if it is lesbian, unless right? it's good. So, it was, <laughs> it was like, a, a lot of the critiques that I've heard is that it's sort of like a coming out story, which I think is an unusual choice for 2020, that, like, the girlfriend still has to come out. Um... It was it was uh, handled pretty well, and there's a scene where um, Daniel Levy's character, her best friend, has to come and like rescue her. And there's this moment where Kristen Stewart's like, "I can't understand why she isn't coming out. It must be because she doesn't love me enough to come out for me for us." And then Daniel Levy's character is like, "Well, what ha- what was it like when you came out to your parents?" And she's like, "Oh, they were super supportive." And Daniel Levy's like, "That's great. That's great that you had that experience. That's not everyone's experience." And like. You can't fault someone for not coming out, but you can make the choice that that's not something that you want in a partner. So, you know, it was it was it was definitely more nuanced than a lot of the romance that we've read, and I had a I had a good time with it. Well, good. Yeah, good. I think that's that's really lovely. I think. Um, have you been watching any of Big Mouth? I haven't seen any of the new episodes yet. All right, the new they're they're good, and I think they also because they have, uh, you know they're they're working harder at like integrating queer stories in general into mm-hmm. like their storylines, but also doing a better job of it and what mm-hmm. it means and not just making it silly or, like, but also giving those characters like a fullness and mm-hmm. 
and the young man in it has, needs to come out to his parents. And there's a really lovely scene. He's tr he's coming out to his mom, and it's very painful because he and his mom are very close, but she is rejecting that side of him uh, completely mm -hmm. and is very sad about it. <clears throat> but he makes a brave decision to come out to his father, who's like this military guy. And his father's like, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean come on I can see you I know you like you're my son I I, I know <laughs> and he's like but mom is like your mom knows too obviously she's known for a long time she just needs to wrap her head around this part I know it hurts I'm sorry anyway let's go keep doing whatever we were doing <laughs> Aww, sweet. and it's it is it's kind of nice but the hormone monster like comes up behind him and is like this part of the conversation is over. Like, we can just... <laughs> like, your dad does not want to keep talking about this. <laughs> We're going to count this a win for now and get back to it later. <laughs> and there was, like, something very honest about it, but also scary. And it was... I thought it was handled really well without it being, like... Um, here's straight people telling a coming out story on behalf of on behalf of queer people, so mm -hmm. that we can um, so that we can bathe in the trauma of this queer person, mm -hmm. or bathe in the wokeness of some straight person. Mm -hmm. You know, like I f I feel like a lot of like straight people telling coming out stories. That's the two ways it veers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it either veers to like look how great this uh, the straight person is. They're so ally. Look how terrible this not ally person is and like rarely actually centers on the experience of the person actually coming out <laughs> yeah 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 oh gosh anyway let's talk about some books i think i forgot to say at the top that the the theme for these books was astronomers uh astrophysicists uh celestial mathematicians astro romances astromance astromance <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's do it. Cosmic Rendezvous, Kamani Romance, Book 133, by Robin Amos. For Shelley London, relocating to Houston for a top-secret space project could rock her world. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me. Okay, okay, okay. Hmm. Until the ambitious aerospace engineer collides with Lincoln Ripley, a hotshot astronaut. Lincoln is sexy, arrogant, and a know-it-all, but he launches Shelley's hormones right into orbit. Get <laughs> Getting lost in space with the gorgeous wannabe astronaut could be the best thing that ever happened to Lincoln's flight path, just as soon as he finds out who's trying to sabotage their spacecraft. Then Shelly better watch out, because now Lincoln has a double mission. To catch the culprit, then take off with Shelly for a rendezvous with love. <laughs> uh, I, just have to, I just have to really fast let our listeners know that there are plenty of space puns, but not this many space puns per word in the book. Yeah, so if you yeah. were put off by those space puns, worry not. There are yeah, a few and they are terrible, but still. There's way more to worry about in this book than space puns. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Claire, that's what the book says it's about. What is yes. this book about, Claire? I don't know what the fuck that synopsis was. It, like, I guess there is a woman named Shelley London who does go to Houston 
And there is a man named Lincoln, Lincoln Ripley who is a hotshot astronaut. And yes, there is a sabotage to a spacecraft. And yeah, they do get together. But other than that, I feel like it, it's like that fucking synopsis is all over the place. Also, it's like, oh, Lincoln has to catch the culprit. No, Shelley is trying to catch the culprit. Do not take that away from her. Oh, but this book wants to take away all of the achievements it also painstakingly gives her. <laughs> she is such a boss-ass bitch. Yes! And then this book does everything it can to take that away from her. Everything. Everything it can, one by one. <sighs> okay. Sorry, I just have one more thing. I'm, yes. This, I know, this, is your, this is your rodeo. Um, Lincoln has two nicknames. Yes. Um, Link, L-I-N-C, which mm-hmm. is not okay, and Lightning. So his name is Lincoln, quote, Link, quote, Lightning Ripley. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> I just can't. Look, uh, look, look, look. Okay. All right. Curtain up. <laughs> uh-huh. Shelly. Enters the scene, and let's say yes, she is a boss-ass bitch. She has, from very early in her life, as a young woman, was like, I'm going to the motherfucking stars. And she does everything in her power to do it. Like, she is a math whiz. She learns how to fly planes. She goes to all the colleges, aeronautical. She's, like, doing all the crazy-ass motherfucking things it takes to get there. And she is constantly applying to the space program. She then, like, after uh, graduate school, goes on to uh, get a job at a contractor who directly works with NASA to help, that she knows, like, gets contracts to build their spaceships all the time. That way, she will have designed one of the spacecrafts, and then she can apply to NASA again to try to be an astronaut. She's just pushing this further and further and further, and, like, good for her, and she is so good. When she gets on the design team, she just, pardon the pun, rockets right up to the lead designer of said Ooh. machine. I know. But it was yeah. also... I they mean, were just like, you're so good. You're just now the lead designer and the product project manager. Go to Houston. Bye. Good luck. Yeah. Um, this book did two things. One... It made uh, it made NASA and like the military space program also feel like tangible and real. Like I believed mm-hmm. a lot of the things that were happening, like all the different places she had to go from DC to Houston to Florida to the Mojave Desert, like and the way she had to bounce around, like all the different training programs they had to do, exactly what the spaceship needed, like the gimbals, whatever. All of that seemed meticulously researched. Mm-hmm. And it made me believe that. So the funny part is, I actually believe a lot of the stuff that happens with the space program things, which I didn't expect. I 100% expected to have to like suspend a shit ton of disbelief when it came to that, if not outright every five pages be looking something up and saying this is bullshit. But... Well, I read, I think it's the About the Author. Our author is married to someone in NASA. Hey. And a friend of hers became the head engineer of some secret space thing and had to move from D.C. to Houston. And they were joking about how she was going to start dating a space cowboy. And that was the impetus for this book. Nice. Great. 
I believed all that shit. Like, I really, really did. Yeah. Um, Which made the romance awful. So awful all the time. So she gets there and she is fighting tooth and nail to stay in this program because one immediately it's a secret military project. So she has only so much access to a bunch of the things she needs to do the work she needs to do. Everybody there is fighting her. She's surrounded by boys. There is no women who work on this project except for her. Mm-hmm. And she and she's also thrown in with the military. So it's mm-hmm. like military guys and this is a whole new world for her, but she needs to try to do this because she wants to get into NASA. Mm-hmm. She's Meanwhile, also black. Yes, and, I and think, she's also black. And I think Link is the only other black person on the project. Yes, yes. So she's like the only black woman in the sea of men, almost all of whom are white. And she's like, I gotta make it work. And she was making it work. She was. She was getting Until... shit done. Until Lincoln Ripley shows up. Lincoln Link Lightning Ripley? Yes. Lincoln Link Lightning Ripley. Um, (laughs) He is is literally a hotshot astronaut. He'd like saved people in a shuttle crisis or something. He's like, Mm -hmm. he's gone up into space a bunch of times. He's like, he's also like a fighter pilot and he's flown missions over Iraq a bunch of times. He's a test pilot. He's done test piloting things. He is, he's been on Time Magazine. He's been on the cover of People, named Sexiest Person, whatever, blah, 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 blah. She makes a sort of suggestion that maybe he's not the best person to be leading the uh, leading the the group and like being the commander of this flight. And he finds out about it and is pissed, is going to confront her, and from there we start our love-hate relationship trope. <sighs> so like they immediately are angry at each other. She's he looks at her like, oh, she's just some like stuck-up bitch who's like, you know you know, who's blah, 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 and thinks she's better than everybody on a power trip. She's like, oh, he's just a hotshot astronaut that doesn't understand how hard she's worked, which is true. (laughs) He's like, "Uh, she's just jealous of me and everything that I've accomplished and how fucking hot I am. And she's like, he's not taking this seriously when I have worked so hard and haven't been able to like give, get even half of the acknowledgement that he's been given. And he's just sort of like blowing it off. I'm like, these feelings are not balanced. Not balanced. No. Um, so, okay, so I'm going to run through just the plot parts really quick because Ugh. fuck it. <laughs> okay, so the thing is, they've got the super secret spaceship they're trying to get up in the air. Um, her and Link, uh, after some slight back and forth, start seeing each other casually and then they both find out they have deeper feelings they see each other more seriously there's a sabotage on the space plane thing that they're working on and uh that grounds them for a little bit their relationship is yeah and their relationship is deepened and then they have a slight falling out because uh, they have a miscommunication about relationship expectations. Um, and then they uh, re- reaffirm their real expectations for the relationship after a near-death experience and after the saboteur is found. And then they decide to get married and get together. That's the book. That's, that's the book and how it works. Um, now let's talk about the... 
undermining of Shelley and everything she is as a person. <laughs> so here's a person who's working super hard. Uh, the author has decided we need hair hijinks, which I understand as <laughs> a black woman who's in a new neighborhood and a new area. Like you're, it's going to be hard to find like somebody you trust to work with your hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is difficult, and she does have a hard time doing it. And we get a bunch of hijinks, which is like high comedy. And I was like, why isn't this in a different book? Because this isn't <laughs> the book it should be in. I, I, I guess it's the funny. Hair hijinks. <laughs> I thought it was fine. And I liked but... too that because um, it went first. She was like, "Oh, in my hair." I was like, "Oh, is this going to be a whole thing?" But it's like, no. She's like. She had to get to work as soon as she showed up in Houston, so she's barely unpacked. She never has time to put as much effort as she likes to into her appearance. And it's just, like, one more thing that she feels she doesn't have control over in her life. And so it becomes this sort of thing of, like, as she gets more settled, as she gets... um, As she, like, sort of grounds herself in the job and her relationship with link it's something that she like makes time for for herself i'm like this is great this is great i enjoyed the hijinks i think that the, it built well because it started with like two people two of the stylists having a fight and then it turns into her, her stylist literally going into labor as she's yeah. doing her hair and she's like i'm not leaving until i finish this and get paid it's like oh yep Yep, yep, yep. And I also enjoyed when she ran into Link and the supermodel on the date. She and the oh, supermodel. Oh, I love that part. Yeah, I love that getting, part. They were getting friendly, and the supermodel, who's also black, was like, oh, here's my place for hair. Like, go. And, and then, of course, Shelly goes. And she's like, it's so expensive. Oh, they did a really good job, but it's so expensive, so I can't afford it all the time. But then it talks about how much money she has. And I'm like, why not just, okay. Yeah. You do you. You're living your life. You're in charge of your own finances. Sure, whatever. Yeah, no. I think hair hijinks part, the thing that I hated about it was because it was very much like, what I like about it is that there was parts of it that was so much for herself, and it was who she is intrinsically. She does mm-hmm. like being pretty. She does like dressing up for herself or as part of you know who she is. Mm-hmm. What I didn't like about it was how it worked on the relationship and the and the romance that like it it does feel like the makeover, like the ugly girl with glasses and the tight mm-hmm. hairdo. Like, why couldn't he have found her that attractive when she looked like the way she did at work? Because he's a garbage person and we'll get into it. Right. Right. And so, like, I was, and that's what I didn't like about it. Like, I was like, but, and then all the time, like, we have to deal with it because, and then later she does talk about how when she was in college and someone finally told her she could do her hair and she, like, taught her, like, then she gets, then she got, like, attention from boys. And like, and like that affirmed something in her, and that was like, oh, see, but now it's not for yourself anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that undermines the for yourself part, and yeah. so now all these hijinks, like, feel awkward to me. What I also didn't like about the hair hijinks is that we in the narrative see the scene where the stylist goes into labor, and later she repeats all of it to Link. All of it. Everything every we've second. seen already gets repeated. That happens a lot, actually. Every time. It switches perspective. Sometimes stuff gets repeated, like beat for beat, almost word for word. I'm like, we, we, we know that we know. Okay, you're still going. It's fine. Whatever, whatever. 
No, I didn't. Like, the hijinks was funny, but it just felt different from the rest of the book. Like, it almost, like, it felt more like, um, more like a book that was just about a woman who was finding herself, more mm-hmm. than a book about this romance. Mm-hmm. And then we had the problem where Link is actually, like, a perfect guy. Like, he's outwardly, and I don't mean inwardly or the things he says or who he actually is, but, like, the, what it's the book wants person. us to believe is that he's actually perfect. Like, mm-hmm. sure, he comes off as brash, which we actually never see. We never see him actually just being, like, a, an outward jerk necessarily. Like, he, uh, over the summers, he has children's camps at his massive uh, mansion, which I don't know how he got a massive mansion. Um, we What's a ranch? See th- a ranch? Right, a ranch. A ranch mansion. But, yeah, they has kids over like over in the summers like uh he couldn't tell her why he couldn't show up to her first training session because he was actually flying a super secret mission over iraq to save people's lives no big deal and but he like, easily could have just said i was on a mission actually yes yes and <laughs> i was like i can't tell her it's like no yeah. and i've known enough military people in my life to know that yeah they just they don't tell you what they were doing. They 100% go, oh no, I was on a mission <laughs> for the military where, where you also work. <laughs> you know, your boss. Yeah, we couldn't, I can't tell you about it, but what I can say is that I was working for the U.S. government. <laughs> right, and like, that nobody else was like, oh, uh, Lincoln Link Lightning Ripley isn't going to be here today because he's flying a mission. Right. Like, nobody said that at any point? Whatever. Easily could have been said. It was like, ugh, dumb, dumb, dumb. Okay. And let's, okay. So, ugh, ugh. Okay, this book does the thing that we've both decided we fucking hate, which is changing perspective in the middle of a fucking paragraph or sometimes out of goddamn nowhere. It's just like, oh, now we're from Link's perspective, but we didn't intro that. We didn't tell you that's what was happening. It's yeah, just I happening. Think a, I think it was a formatting issue. Oh, yeah? I noticed that. It's like every time it changed perspective, it was a new paragraph, but it, there was no extra space or anything. So I think it no, was a formatting yeah. issue. I don't. It was awful. And the thing is, yeah. this book also doesn't understand chapters. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I I couldn't, like, emotionally, like, it would just, like, it would change. It wasn't just, like, halfway down the page. It wouldn't just change perspective. It would change time, location, and feeling and theme. We are going to change all those things now. Um, that thing you were reading is now over, even though it didn't actually end. Like, there was no emotional ending to that moment. The story <laughs> it was telling didn't end. It, it, it had no beginning, middle, or an end. We've just moved on from it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shelly was in the middle of getting her hair done. Hijinks was ensuing. And now it's two weeks later. <laughs> Meanwhile, what? back at the ranch... Yes, literally, except they wouldn't say meanwhile back at the ranch. It would be Shelly was having such a hard time. She ran out of the salon, her hair still wet. The horses were calling out to each other. (laughs) And the sun was rising. Link, one week after the previous events, was walking around. 
literally that was that is i'm not like i'm even joking it's like i like i'd have to reread things so many times because i just wasn't sure where the fuck we were anymore <laughs> oh and then so there would be sometimes like a chapter change in the middle of a fucking beat and it's like oh now you want a new chapter <laughs> like now, now you've decided new chapter. You're like, you know what this moment needs? A new fucking chapter. <laughs> Shelly wasn't sure what she was going to do, but she was happy to be here finally. Chapter three. Again, Shelly was happy to be here finally. <laughs> Why? Why did you do this? It's like the recap, the really quick recap of after a commercial break where they say the same line again, but slightly differently. Yeah. But here's the worst part. The worst thing this book did with perspective. So when we were in Shelly's head, Shelly thought about these things, how hard her job was, how hard she worked to get here, how smart she was and how much she knew how smart she was, that the transition to this new job was hard and she was having a hard time settling into her new life, that she missed her family, that this man in standing in front of her while fucking sexy, no one's going to deny he's fucking sexy, is currently in her way and she just needs to get around him and wishes he stopped talking at her. When we're in Link's head, though, here's what we got from his perspective. This little bitch, this person, and never said bitch. I shouldn't say that. Like, that is, that is incorrect. But, like, just talk about how sexy she is. How sexy she is. How sexy she is. Look how sexy she is. Look at her. Look at her. I see this. Look at her. Look at her. Man, I'm a cool fighter pilot. Look at her. And it was like, I couldn't believe it. Like, I couldn't believe. And then whenever, like, Link was around, we didn't actually get Shelly's perspective of what she really thought of Link all that much. Like, it was Link's perspective. It was almost like he intruded on her thoughts somehow. And it was so weird. And I'd never seen that before. Like, we so rarely got Link by himself doing by himself things, except when he was, like, with another woman. But, like, we got... Shelly all the time doing all kinds of things but as soon as she came into Link's space it's now Link's story and we get to hear mm-hmm. everything from Link's side importantly importantly to this point Shelly underlined several motherfucking times throughout this book that the most important thing to her right now is her career she is very career focused she is fine to have sex for funsies but she needs to worry about her career right now Link, on the other hand, is like, oh, I finally found a girl I like. When can I put a baby in her? And, like, he thinks this all the time. And it was so motherfucking frustrating. I I couldn't believe. And, And like, at one point, he actually, um, he actually was like, God, what is Shelly talking about? She's just talking on and on. And all I can think about is how much I want to marry her and put a baby inside of her. And Shelly at that moment is actually, in fact, talking about her career and how she uh, is glad he's on the same page with her about not being focused on their relationship just now. Mm-hmm. It was like, fuck this guy. <sighs> yeah, he's also a garbage person. For the following reasons. Um, He only dates supermodels. And at the beginning, he talks about how he could never be attracted to Shelly because she doesn't put any effort into her appearance. And he's only attracted to women who, quote, make an effort to look good for their man. Yep. And then later, when he's dating the supermodel, who seems like a perfectly lovely person. Oh, she actually seemed delightful. Yeah. 
he kept being like, oh, she's just wearing so much makeup. Oh, my God. She's so fake. Oh, my God. She spends all of her time thinking about her appearance. And it's like, okay, two things. One, you said that that's what you wanted. And two, that's literally her job. Right. And the thing is, like, she actually had a ton of things to say. Like, he was like, oh, when he's talking to Shelly, he's like, it's so nice to talk to somebody who actually has things to say. But the thing is... And I was so proud of this author for this, because usually with the books like this with that we've read, two women who get into the room together who are both beautiful are, like, going to start yelling at each other for other, something. Yeah. But no, Shelley was like, oh, hey, how are you? And they immediately started having a conversation. Like, yeah. And it was a lovely conversation. And then also later, when Link and this supermodel are supposed to go out, but he's exhausted from work... He's like, I just don't know how to tell her that I'm not into this. She comes over with expectations that they're going out. And she looks at him and she immediately... Because they had agreed to go out. Right. And she immediately adjusts her expectations for what he needs. But she's also like, but I'm not interested in eating those things you are. Just FYI. And he's not willing to meet her. Like, she's like, okay, we can stay in. But let's have this French place that I really like cater our dinner. Which just means ordering in. And... <laughs> And he's, and like, he's like, Ugh. no, I want tacos. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, that sounds too heavy for me. And honestly, if she's a supermodel who's worried about that, I bet it is. <laughs> yeah. She also was like, I I put in the effort to look nice because I thought we were going out. And eventually she's just like, okay, well, you want to stay in. I'm looking hot. I'm just going to go meet up with my friends. Which Have is a good night, I guess. Perfectly reasonable. <laughs> Which is perfectly reasonable. And she's not mean about it or Mm-mm. anything. She's just like, oh... You just want you want to stay in, and I don't. So we're just gonna go do our own thing. He also later he to your point about him being like, oh Shelley, it's so nice to have someone to talk to. It talks about how he like he's never been with a woman who shares his interests or is his intellectual equal. But it's written in a way that it sounds like it's the woman's fault. When it's just like no. You have only been attracted to women because they wear makeup, because they are conventionally feminine. Like, you're only looking at this one thing before you start dating someone. It's not their fault that they don't share your interests. What is wrong with you? He also, there's a part, and I have learned this now, I have a new new, uh, thing on my list of, if this happens, I'm going to hate this guy. No woman had ever blank. Uh-huh. If a man ever says no woman had ever, and the sentence does not end with, thought he was a creeper. <laughs> if that's not the end of the sentence, I hate him. I hate him already. Very little you can do or say will make me like this guy. Because no woman had ever decided to not go out with him. Not say that he was attractive. Talk back to him. Any of that stuff... It's because he's a scary garbage person who makes women uncomfortable. Yeah. That is not okay. Yeah. So, before we move off of this point, onto a much worse point. Uh, (laughs) Is it about Star Wars? No. We need to talk talk about Star Wars. We do need to talk about Star Wars. And Congress. And Congress. That was the same chapter, by the way. I know. It was crazy. It was a crazy chapter. Uh, yeah, no. The writer needed to start wrapping shit up, and she was, like, unsure how to anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, Quincy, we have to talk about Quincy. We have to talk about Dusty as well. <laughs> we have to talk about Dusty. <laughs> okay. 
But I wanted to read this first. This is, uh, this is from Link's perspective. Um, she wouldn't be some shrinking violet who would become a domestic slave. No, she would be a challenge to her future husband, always expressing her thoughts and ideas. She was so passionate about everything, and that would carry over into the bedroom. And then before long, she'd be pregnant. Dot, dot, dot. This is what he's thinking. Christine looks so uncomfortable, and that is the appropriate response. Yes. This is what he's thinking as she's talking about her career goals. Mm-hmm. Like, she's having a discussion with him about wanting to be an astronaut, and he's thinking about how fun it would be to just fuck her and get her pregnant. And I was, like, embarrassed. But here's an example, though, of... Um, Here's an example, though, of bad transitions that also is just insane. Um, one, the first two sentences are from Link's point of view. The next sentences and after that are from Shelley's point of view. And I have to tell you that. <laughs> uh-huh. And they're right next to each other on the page, yes? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. She'd be going to Florida tomorrow, so he didn't have much time to waste. He had to make some travel arrangements. He had some travel arrangements to make. Shelley rolled over in bed. Her arm collided with Link's rock-hard chest. She opened her eyes and discovered he was naked and smiling next to her on the pillow. Um. So what happened there? <laughs> at the period, <laughs> was that he made the um. He like we complained I think last time about people who don't do time skips. I I wonder if this author should just write minute to minute because <laughs> <laughs> what happened in between the perspective change was he finished making those arrangements. They got together. Um, they agreed to have sex. Did have sex. <laughs> And then she woke up the next morning, and it's like, this had all happened! <laughs> and actually, we hadn't seen them actually have sex a lot yet, so we skipped that too in a fucking romance novel! I was like, no, 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 no! <laughs> FYI, again, not a paragraph change, not a chapter change. Oh. <laughs> Um, okay. But this leads to the more insidious thing that I did want to talk about, which is how this author chose to talk about sex with Link. Um, and I think there's a, a horrific thing, and I didn't actually do it, and I meant to, but all of the words that Shelley does think in her head when she is with Link and they're having... And, and they're getting ready to have sex, or they're making out, or kissing, or whatever. The words are all awful. They're all like, assault. He assaulted my lips with his. Or they are, um, he pushed himself onto me. They are, um, I wanted to say no, but I decided not to. Like, there are a lot, a lot of negative feeling of negative words about 
sex or sex interactions or the feelings. And, like, we've come upon this in, like, uh, the reading of our things. Like, I mean, like, Neil, you've complained before <laughs> when, like, an mm-hmm. author's written, and he assaulted my pussy. And, like, and we're like, oh, no, that's terrible. We wouldn't want invaded. that. invaded. Oh, all Right. Of but I don't think we've ever read a book where that was almost every sexual interaction. Minute to mm-hmm. minute. Like... She pulls away from him. He pulls her back in. Like, if if we had just, like, switched this around a little bit so that you didn't know this was a romance, it would feel like it was a rape book where he was constantly, like, raping her. Like, honestly. And I'm not, like, exaggerating here. And I really wish I was because I wanted... Because, again, Shelley, as a character who is working hard for her career, was a really interesting person. (laughs) She's one of the most self-realized female main characters that we have read on this podcast. That's a fact. And I wanted good things for her. Right. She is successful. She is self-assured. She is actually intelligent. She is actually funny. Not just people saying that she's intelligent or funny without us seeing examples of it. She is one of the strongest female characters that we have read on this podcast, and she deserved so much better than that garbage fire that is Lincoln Link Lightning Ripley. So much better. So much better. Like, it was it was hard to read. Like, I could not get into the sex scenes. And the best part about the sex scene that you read out at the top, and I laughed because I was like, it's the best one, and it was a dream one. Mm-hmm. But it was also because she was in charge of that sex scene. Mm-hmm. Like, she made all the decisions in that sex scene. Like, she was happy to be there. <laughs> like, she rode him like a Bronco, but it was the only time where you like, she was on top. Mm-hmm. That, like, he ate her out at one point, but he also did it without asking. Like, and he just, like, was like, this is what's happening now. One of the... there was, was one very late in the book. I was certain was. we were going to just skip over Oral this whole book. And it was after one of the worst things. Not one of the worst, but, like, so they, they start, like, making out, like, right at his front door because they just want each other so much. And usually I find that super sexy and that's fine. So they collapse onto the ground and then she makes a moan and he's like, oh, keep going. And then he had to stop because she's like, no, 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 stop. Um, this hurts. <laughs> I'm on a floor. Right. But the writer <laughs> writes in that he doesn't apologize. He doesn't like, he literally mishears her and goes further. And then after she's like, hey, this hurts, like, uh, I'm on a floor and I think there's something under my back. He's like, are you sure you don't want to keep going? Like, and she's like, yes, but on the bed, you asshole. You've got a whole ranch here. I don't even want <laughs> We're in a ranch and there are so many surfaces that are not, I'm assuming, a tiled floor to have sex on. We are actually literally behind a couch. We could just move up. Like, <laughs> a slight change in topography and we'll be fine. <laughs> I just don't want to be on your floor. <laughs> but like, and so he then he goes down on her after that. But like, again, he had literally hurt her <laughs> and hadn't asked her. And it was like, this isn't sexy. This isn't nice. And I just wanted so much more for her. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there was so I. 
I wasn't invested in this relationship. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't invested in them getting together. I feel like I've blanked out a lot of other things <laughs> having to do with what happens to them and their relationship yeah. like, for the rest of the book because I just didn't want to see it happening. But yeah, yeah. Um, but Neil, tell us, yes. why is she not an astronaut yet? So... Ah, we'll talk about it. We also have to talk very quickly because I'm sure we're going over long. We have to talk very quickly about how terrible the mystery aspect of this book was. I would, ah, they, this bitch, this bitch set up that obviously who was ever like the bad guy who was um like sabotaging this thing, which, okay, so I'm sorry, their training simulator caught on fucking fire. And I was like, ah, what? I don't give a fuck. What? And so, okay, so they set it up as like, oh, it's Dusty. It's this Dusty motherfucker over here. This guy who's like, hey, girl, can I just look at the simulator for a little bit? They were setting it up so it was Dusty. And then, like, halfway through the book, like, we're not even going to bring him up anymore. It's not, he's not important. So <laughs> he gets into a car accident, and then Shelly's like, well, obviously it wasn't him because he got into a car accident after that thing happened. Which? And, and, and Lincoln Link Lightning Ripley had to be like, well, no, that... Because he got into a car accident yesterday doesn't mean he didn't fuck up the rockets like two weeks ago. It's just like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, don't you know how time works? I guess not. She might be on a different level where for Although, her time is cyclical and we just aren't on her level. Unknown. But she's also correct. <laughs> she's also correct. And so the thing is, like, normally... Uh, Dusty would have been a very good red herring because it seemed so obvious that it was him. But then when we find out it was Quincy, one of her engineers, the 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 logistics of it, the motivation behind it, all came out of absolutely nowhere. I know, and there was a moment I thought it was Quincy as well. I was like, oh, because he's the one, the only other character we spend any time talking to. Right, so right, it was right. like, it's Quincy. And I thought it was because he was jealous because she's sorry don't pardon this ton rocketing up her career and like bypassed him completely i thought right, oh right. for sure it's him being right. jealous or and that's easy easy it might have been because he he because he had definite hero worship for uh lincoln lake lightning ripley and he kind of got slighted a bit because it's like oh well you're not an astronaut so i'm gonna go hang out with the other astronauts and it's like oh he's like angry about being slighted and feeling worthless and now he's gonna fuck somebody's shit up no no he out of nowhere apropos of nothing he had gambling debts and someone at a rival company that we didn't hear about until he had a gun on lincoln link lightning ripley already i mean like and and we don't even get the bad guy monologue like he explains it but it's just like oh and then quincy said this and this and this that he like got approached by their rival company that we had never heard of until 90% into the book, that they were like, oh, we'll pay off your debts if you keep this ship from going into the sky. It's like, great. If you had hinted at that, even a little bit, it would have been good. It would have been a good payoff. Yes. But it's like, Dusty can't be a good red herring if the actual person is poorly constructed. Yes. Neil, though. Neil. Yes. Okay. Unbeknownst okay. to us. Unbeknownst... Okay, actually, I'm going to... Before we get to that, because okay. unbeknownst to us, there is a horror in the sky. <laughs> yes, Star Wars. Unbeknownst to us, the whole reason they're doing this is horrific. <laughs> Neil, tell
tell us. Tell us the. Tell us what is the actual inciting incident for this book. Despite the belief that the the U.S.'s military plan, quote, Star Wars to arm satellites, never actually happened. It turns out that actually, yes, there is a satellite in space with a nuclear warhead, and they're designing this mission to go up and disarm that bomb before anyone finds out about it, despite the fact that it's been several decades. But because the reason is it's going to crash to Earth. (laughs) This, This bomb, this nuclear bomb is going to crash to Earth. Unless Link, Lincoln, Link, Lightning, Ripley goes up in his spaceship and gets it. <laughs> and uses the, the robo arms on the spaceship to disarm the bomb. Oh, yeah. Very important. So we That's- find this out. And then, like, three pages later, while we're still reeling from this information, and granted, this is like 70% into the book. So I'm just like, where are we going from here? Three pages later, Lincoln Link Lightning Ripley is like, oh, hey, when you said that you'd applied for the space program three times and been rejected three times with your credentials, I found that unusual. So I looked into it. And apparently, um, Congress didn't want you to be an astronaut. And she's like, and he was expecting her to be surprised. And she's like, let me guess. It was my mother, wasn't it? (laughs) Her mom is a congresswoman and was, like, personally calling NASA, being like, don't accept my daughter into the space program because she needs to stay on Earth and make babies. What? (laughs) What? Yeah. And then she has the confrontation with her mother, and the mother's like, I know it was terrible of me, but I'm your mother, and I was so scared of your safety, and... I would rather have you alive and angry at me than die in space. And it's like, okay. And that conversation, like it was, they sort of worked it out and, and the feelings were more or less motivated. And, but then she's like, well, you'll understand when you have a family, you'll understand when you have your own children. And it's like, girl, girl. Girl. Also really fast. We need to talk about her sister, Cheryl, who every time Shelly calls her to be like, I am having a problem with this Lincoln Lake Lightning Ripley guy. He's being an asshole. Cheryl's like, oh, well, you should just uh, give him a chance because he's hot. Yep. You're being too hard on him. He's attractive, so you need to be nicer to him. Is basically what she says. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I do want to talk about my favorite conversation between Link and Shelly. This mm-hmm. is my favorite one. So they're on a plane, his plane. He's flying this plane. Not his plane, the military's plane. The military's plane. plane. He's flying the military's plane. They're going on a sexy rendezvous together on his mil- on the military plane, which costs so much money, I can't even tell which, you. Yeah, just reading it. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll just take you to Florida. And I'm like, that's my tax dollars going, sending her to Florida when she already had a plane ticket on a commercial airline. Yeah, no, not okay. But regardless of bloated that military budget, whatever, fact. it's fine. So regardless of that, so they're on the plane, and he's like, "So you've so um, you said you wanted to apply to NASA. Like I'm Lincoln Link Lightning Ripley. Obviously, if I help you on your application, I can help you get in." And she's like, 
Honestly, and from her point of view, she's like, oh, that would be actually a huge help. Like, <laughs> like, cause I very much want this. So yes, yes. Like, tell me what I'm doing wrong on my application. And he's like, yeah, just, well, tell me a little bit about your background. Because even though we've been fucking for the last couple of days, I've never fucking asked you. <laughs> and so she's like, yeah. So she names off all of the fucking things she's done, which are amazing. And mm-hmm. he's like, and he goes, oh shit. <laughs> um, you don't need my help. Why would they not let you into NASA? And I was like, finally, finally, take that link, you fucking dickhead. Yes. And, and, and like, honestly, a big part of me wanted to go like, um, cause she's a black lady. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, I know, I know I don't want to impart racism onto a book that maybe didn't want to, like, you know, have that. Just like any book wants to say, like, no, 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 no. But, like, she was the only black lady there. <laughs> so it was, I was like, makes I was perfect half, sense to me. <laughs> I was half expecting that to be the thing. Uh, yeah. But no, it's her congresswoman mother. That's yes. Whatever, that's fine. Yeah. Um, also, sorry, really fast, and I feel like we should move on. Um, at the end, after... Um, Dusty and one of the other guys are both really seriously injured because they're two teams of three. Right. And Dusty and one of um, uh, Lightning Just Link- call them all Buzz Aldrin. Buzz, Buzz Aldrin, Aldrin 1, Buzz Aldrin 2, Most Buzz, of the Aldrin Buzz Aldrin 3. Buzz Aldrin get into accidents <laughs> or whatever. So by the time they get to launch, they're down a person. And Lincoln Link, Lightning Ripley is like, I talk them into, even though we know that this is a military operation and only military personnel are even considered to be the astronauts on this mission he's like i talked to them you're coming on the ship with me it's like no there's one other guy (laughs) there's another guy left who's been training this whole time and i it was impossible to keep all of those characters straight so it might be that his job was already covered and they needed a job of a guy that wasn't there i don't know but it's like there was another guy that they didn't even talk about i don't know buzz seven or whatever i don't know anyway yeah it was uh all it like obviously she got to a point in the book she's like i need to wrap up a lot of shit right now let's just (laughs) let's just get this done i gotta start writing kamani romance number 134 (laughs) get it out get this out Anyway, that was that book. That was that book. That was that book. The Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics, Feminine Pursuits by Olivia Hoyt. As Lucy McChelney watches her ex-lover's sham of a wedding, she wishes herself anywhere else. It isn't until she finds a letter from the Countess of Moth looking for someone to translate a groundbreaking French astronomy text that she knows where to go. Showing up the Countess's London home, she hopes to find a challenge, not a woman who takes her breath away. Catherine St. Day looks forward to a quiet widowhood once her, husband's late, once her late husband's scientific legacy is fulfilled. She expects to hand off the translation and wash her hands of the project. Instead, she is intrigued by the young woman who shows up at her door, begging to be allowed to do the work, and she agrees to let Lucy stay. But as Catherine finds herself longing for Lucy, everything she believes about herself and her life is tested. While Lucy spends her days interpreting the complicated French text, she spends her nights falling in love with the alluring Catherine. 
But sabotage and old wounds threaten to sever the threads that bind them. Can Lucy and Catherine find the strength to stay together, or are they doomed to be star-crossed lovers? And that is that book. But Neil, mm-hmm. what is that book actually? Mm-hmm. What is what is actually that book? Okay, that that's pretty accurate. Um, two things I want to say right off the bat. One, there's a lot of celestial imagery used in this book and i'd say like 85 percent of the time it worked really well um and two okay there's so much about this book that i love and i wanted for so much of this book i wanted it to be an exceptional book that i could turn to people and say this is an exceptional book go read this book but two very specific things that happen at the end. Uh-huh. Which we'll get into more. But the fight and Mr. Holly's turn of character. Those two things. I was just like, what? No, you were so close. So close. Uh, so close. Yeah, this thing did, did something that I have said and I dislike in every book it comes to, which is a basic misunderstanding that could easily be fixed by one or two words. And it wasn't, I would have been okay with it. It wasn't even a basic misunderstanding. It was a complete misinterpretation of another person's feelings who was sitting right in front yeah, of you. Yeah, and, and I would have been okay with that on some level, considering like what they'd already talked about, except for the fact that they'd been entirely open with each other about every motherfucking thing up until that exact second. And I was like, no, right. fuck you, book. You are incorrect. <sighs> Okay, let's start with things that we enjoyed. And super basic plot. Um, Lucy, whose last name I don't know how to pronounce because English is crazy. Mulchaney, Mukulney, (laughs) who knows? Um, She, her, okay. She is interested in astronomy. Her father was an astronomer. Astronomer who uh, recently passed away. And in the last several years of his life, she was she started out assisting him, but for the last several years of his life, she was doing all of the calculations for him. And this is the late 1800s, so people are still like, oh, look, a star, that's new. Oh, look, a planet, that's new. Like, there's a scene, I loved the scene where Lucy takes Catherine to her telescope and, like, shows her the, the tedium, but the the meditativeness of looking at your telescope and literally just like degree by degree looking in the night sky and jotting down what you see and comparing it to star charts to see if you've discovered anything new. And there's a moment where Catherine's like, we found a new star. And Lucy's like, unfortunately someone discovered it a few months ago and the charts haven't been updated yet, but blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, we're at a time where we're still discovering stuff. Great. And everybody's doing math by hand. Great. So the father's dead, and then her brother is like, you need to give up your your idle pursuits and think of a way to bring us money. Meanwhile, he's an artist. Yeah, I love that. And I'm like, bitch, bitch, bitch. And there was a part where Lucy was like, is he, is he ever going to consider like the fact that I'm giving up my dreams for him? And I made a note. I was like, no, he's not. 
Not even a little, honey. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm. So she's sort of trying to figure out what to do. He's threatening to sell the telescope to try and make ends meet. And we find out later that he is well-intentioned. He's just a pig-headed man. And he does he makes some poor choices throughout the book. But we find out that it's like, it is out of a sense of obligation to take care of her and to make sure that she is looked after right. and, and all of that. Because, you know, women can't do things in England in the late 1800s. Right, well, and also, like, he is an artist. And I think he also understands that as frivolous as whatever her pursuits are, he also understands his also make no money. And so whatever they can do to right. bring in money to support her, who legally can't own things. <laughs> right. And I'm sure his thinking is like, oh, as soon as I get her married off, she'll be taken care of and I can do whatever I want with my life and it won't affect her negatively. Right. Which is, a, which is a, a very human balance of selfish and selfless right. and sure whatever anyway so she's trying to figure out what to do and then she gets a letter from the countess of moth whose late husband um and lucy's late father were part of the same scientific society and they would um uh communicate with each other regularly about updated star charts and numbers and all that kind of stuff and the countess of moth writes to um I think it's to Lucy, because she knows yeah. that the father has passed away. And it's like, so I have this French book. It's Mechanique Celeste, or Celestial Mechanics. It's not, it doesn't exist in English. It only exists in French. And I'm the society that I'm part of, and that your father was part of, we're looking to find someone to translate it into English. Um, do you... Could you recommend anyone? Is are there any of your your father's associates that you could recommend? And Lucy's like, okay, so I could do that, or I could just go to London, show up at her house, and tell her that I'm going to do it. And that's exactly yeah, what she does. I'm very proud of her in that moment. It's so great. It's so great. So then we are introduced to Catherine, the Countess of Moth, um, whose husband was a garbage person. <laughs> He was horribly abusive, mm-hmm. um, not physically, but emotionally, verbally abusive. And she, we have the moment where she's like, anything short of an act of parliament, and I'm not getting out of this marriage. So he dies, and she's like, thank fucking God. Yeah. And all the money is from her side of the family and the title. So she's like great, I have this money, I have this title, my asshole husband is dead. I can just do my thing for the rest of my life. And then she's been doing that for a while, and she's like, this is fucking boring. This is fucking lonely. I hate this. Mm-hmm. So and then in walks a hot astronomer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lucy shows up. And then basically they're like, great, yeah, you. I'm going to champion you. And over... Part of this book is Catherine realizing, like, oh, something that I can do with my position of privilege is help champion other women to make their lives better. Good job, Catherine. So they go to this meeting, and she's going to propose Lucy for the uh, translation. The um, president of the company, Mr. Holly, is going to propose a Mr. William Frampton, who apparently is brilliant, but unfortunately couldn't attend Oxford because he's black. And how unfortunate of that. 
Um, William Frampton is an amazing human being. We later discover. Oh, 100%. Um, He's great. Yeah. And then this other guy in the society is um, going to suggest his nephew, who is a, a white guy. And so they're at the meeting, and I'm going to go into several details about this meeting, not because because it's important to the plot, but it's important to the thing that I'm angry about at the end of the book. <laughs> so they're at this meeting, and they're talking, and, and Mr. Hawley's like, I propose Mr. William Frampton, who unfortunately, his race would not allow him to go to Oxford. And we have a moment where Lucy sees William Frampton's face, and he's like, uh, that's one way of putting it, I guess. Um, and then the other guy's like, I propose my nephew. And then Catherine's like, and they're like, okay, moving on. And Catherine's like, excuse me. And Mr. Holly flat out ignores her. She repeats herself louder. Mr. Holly continues to ignore her. And then Mr. Frampton clears his throat. And Mr. Holly's like, oh, yes, Mr. Frampton. <laughs> Mr. Frampton's like, I believe the Countess of Moth had something to say. <laughs> and he's like, oh, quite right, quite right. So then Catherine's like, I propose Lucy. She, you know, we all know her father. She knows his work better than anyone. And we learn Lucy speaks French. Um, so I propose her. And Mr. Holly does the thing of like, oh, well, that wouldn't be seemly. And she's not a fellow of the society. Blah, blah, blah. And Catherine, and we quickly discover that it's because she's a woman. He's like, oh, well, it wouldn't be proper for her to come to, to our meetings on chaperone, surely? And Catherine's like, I'll show up. I'm a widow, so, like, it's okay if I show up places with unmarried women and, like, be their chaperone. He's like, oh, well. <laughs> and Lucy, who has done some of the translation already, walks over and puts the stack of what she has so far in front of Mr. Holly. He looks at her in the face and brushes it off the table without even looking at her. Just everyone remember that moment. Which, like, reading it, it's like, oh, that fucking asshole. And then she has a chance to, like, stick it to him later, and it's very satisfying. But just remember that. He literally brushed her paperwork onto the floor without even looking at it. So then Catherine's like, all right, well, I'm not giving you money anymore. And Mr. Holly's like, I see you are trying to bully me. And Catherine's like, well, fuck off. Bye. <laughs> so she says, okay, Lucy, we're going to publish your book. I'm going to pay for it because that is unacceptable behavior. And Lucy's like, okay, great. Thanks. And then Lucy has the decision. So this book, uh, Mécanique Céleste, is by a French astronomer named Oleron. And she's like, okay, so... And she's kind of inspired because they've they've started to, to get close and they're like able to realize things about each other. Oh, I completely forgot too. Terribly sorry. The book starts with Lucy's lover of five years is getting married to a man and was just like, yeah, I have to get married because my inheritance, you understand, bye. And that's part of what propels Lucy from her hometown into London. She's like, I don't want to deal with Pris anymore. Priscilla is the lover, but she goes by Pris. She's like, I don't want to deal with that shit. So they're both getting over some stuff. They recognize that in that in each other. They get pretty close. And then Lucy has this um, moment where she's like, I want Catherine, who has traveled around the world several times over with her husband on his scientific expeditions and has been surrounded by science her entire marriage, but has never been included in any of it. So she doesn't understand what we're talking about. Like, she's 
devoting her life to this without even understanding the math behind it, Lucy's like, I'm going to translate this book and I'm also going to add to it to explain it to the amateur so that any person could pick up this book and understand the most recent revelations and and breakthroughs of celestial mechanics. And reading that, I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. That's so very lovely. And so then I thought that's what the book was going to be. Yeah, I genuinely did. I thought we were going, like, I agree. I also thought we were going to go through, like, I really was almost looking forward to it, too. Like, the chapters, like, this growing understanding of the math and, like, kind of how mm-hmm. to, like, like each chapter that she translated and slash rewrote in the book, like, we'd also, like, grow in the relationship. And, like, she'd also learn more about, like, Catherine, and Catherine learned more about her. And we'd have this lovely back and forth between the book she was writing, the way stars work, and the relationship. And that we would just, like, learn <laughs> about these women through this. And that's right. when it turned into a regular yeah. paperback romance. And then the book gets published. Or she finishes the book. And I'm like, oh, the rest of the book is going to be about her trying to get published. And then it gets published. Yeah, right away. And then it kind of meanders for a bit. Oh, Um, success right away. Success right the fuck away. I was shocked. I mean, the the narrative meanders for a little bit. Yeah. So it's very successful because it's like, oh, look. And and they find a printer who prints, um, it seems like, magazines and serials geared towards women of the upper middle class as well as upper class. And so, surprise, surprise, the women of London look decide, oh, someone's trying to teach us something without being condescending about it? Yeah, I'll look into that. Quelle surprise. Anyway, I'm going to pause there in the plot, because then we get into stuff that I don't like. And I just want to talk about some things that I do like. Namely, I thought this book was about their relationship. No, this book is about them falling in love and then systematically dismantling the patriarchy. And I love it. Um, there's, uh, Catherine is, she's a very good, um, needle pointer, and, um, so this, a lot of this book is them encouraging each other, like, yes, despite what everyone says, you are a scientist. Yes, despite what everyone says, you are an artist. What you do is art. Just because needlepoint is considered frivolous and, you know... By, by the men who decide what art is doesn't mean it's not art. And so this book is about them encouraging each other every step of the way, supporting each other to become the independent women that they want to be. That was great. Uh, there's a part with Mr. Frampton, the, the, um, the black mathematician who gets paired up with the guy's nephew and he's like this is fucking bye and he like pieces out of the project and he he has this dream of of creating and i forget the name for it but a a model that like shows the movements of all the heavenly bodies in time in real time no no he wants to make a computer like it's straight up a computer (laughs) um because and this was the part that pissed me off in the book which i thought was crazy so uh, what he basically wants to create is a computer, is an adding machine, and he gets the idea to do it because he's looking at a painting with like a weaver's cards, which you know have holes poked mm-hmm. in them, and he's like, ah, bam! And I was like, what the fuck is this writer doing? Like, that was actually the idea of a woman. So, 
wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So like you're going to. So there's an actual real life woman who was ignored for centuries for, uh, you know, for doing this actual thing. And you've decided you're going to have a man do it in your book about women being ignored for science. No. <laughs> no. No. I was fair. So, like I'm sorry. Ada Lovelace. <laughs> I was so right? I was like, "Oh no, 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 no." And I was angry. I was really angry at that. I literally mm. didn't know. Also, there are there were so many real like black scientists and mathematicians and computer like computer programmers at that time who did amazing fucking things and it's like we couldn't also just like use one of them as the mold <laughs> for Frampton we, which we, you could have no you decided to literally take the one thing that fuck you <laughs> anyway <laughs> that's fair Yes, but also what I did enjoy about Lucy and Frampton's relationship is it's like, hey, you're a black guy. I'm a woman. Everybody's overlooking us. Let's help each other out, shall we? Everything else about their relationship and about Frampton himself, I fucking loved. Everything. I blame entirely on the writer, not on him. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, And then uh, Catherine has a woman who she calls Aunt Kelmarsh. Apparently Kelmarsh is her last name, and apparently she calls her aunts by their last names. I don't know. But she's like, she calls her aunt, but she's not her aunt. Which she's is just sort of like not explained to her... us in time, by the way. Not explained to us in yeah. time. <laughs> she's like, oh, it's her, it's her mother's friend that they were together forever. forever. Oh, turns out her mom is a lesbian. Yeah, that was her lesbian lover. Should have said that should have said that because i was like for a brief second i was like hold up let's incest is happening in this book and i was like no of course not but i was like really just could have clarified that with like a line previous just said that a little sooner a little sooner um so Catherine discovers that her mother and her aunt kelmarsh who aunt kelmarsh is a sassy old broad and a oh, yeah. lover um that they were lovers and and then part of this, too, is Catherine realizing that she is queer. And I think it's done very well. And I'd like to read a passage, if I may. Strange, indeed, that an idea could change your life so completely and yet fit in so perfectly with all that came before. She felt the force of it in her very bones. It was less as if her biography were being rewritten and more as though Catherine were suddenly able to read the other set of lines that lay crosswise on the familiar page. So it's... Like, oh, this explains these things. This connects these dots, as opposed to, I never knew. It was like, oh, she didn't realize that this was an option for her. So it, like, she allowed it, the connection to not be made. And so I really appreciated that. I Um, loved that line. I loved those lines so much. It's beautiful. Also, the prose, some of the prose in this book was so beautiful. It was really well done. It was very lush. It was very vivid. And I was like, oh, I love, I just want to like bathe in it. Oh, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. So um, the things that I did, the two big things that I didn't like, let's do uh, Mr. Holly first, because I feel like that's a, that's a quicker topic to discuss. So remember listeners, I'll remind you, he 
literally ignored a woman speaking in a room full of people and then brushed another woman's scientific work off of the table without even looking at it and then like refused to to pick it up i think he asked her to pick it up so we discover <laughs> that actually he yeah he, we discovered he did one scientific thing and it was sort of like running on that to be president and hadn't done science for a very long time and basically was like, oh, I'm too busy, but I think so-and-so is perfect for the job. And everyone saw that as a way to advance themselves so they didn't argue it. But we find out that half of his work was actually done by his sister. And we find out that the, the whole time, the whole time... He had wanted to have his sister be part of, to be made a fellow of this society, but everybody said no, so he said, oh, well, guess I can't. So after all of this, after all of this, and the scene where we find out that, um, that the guy who was doing the work, the guy's nephew, was too busy, like getting laid to do any work and he came to lucy and was like oh think of the legacy for your father and think of what good this will be for everyone else and lucy realizes like he never said this would be good for me he never speaks about my work it's like my father's work the society's work blah 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 and she calls him out on all of his bullshit and that scene was so satisfying and then to find out oh no 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 he supports female scientists all along what no i what? I mean, I, I also didn't like that. But in general, I had a hard time. Like, yes, sexism all over, bad. Racism all over, bad. Uh, colonialism all over, bad. Yes. But I'm going to have to say it got a little cartoony at times. And I was also like, okay, not every motherfucking white scientist can actually be a non-scientist who's actually got a woman in the back doing all the work who's an actual scientist I'm sorry, we're going to have to meet at least one guy who's an actual scientist himself. Like, this is this is getting uh, insane. And I'm also going to throw... There was that their, one. The yes, lecturer. the lecturer that we didn't actually talk to. So, who knows? Right. Easily, his sister could have been doing the work. I, sure. I mean, even the publisher, it seemed like his wife was doing the important part of the work. So, yep. Yep, yep, yep. and I was fine with it in a lot of ways. But also, like, so much of the book was really beautiful. I was just like, why do we have to have them be so cartoonishly villain? Like, you know, they yeah. could just have their own motivations and also be sexist. And the other thing was, like, yeah. I also don't want, like, all of our other, like, marginalized characters to just be de- necessarily good all the time. I'm sorry. There's a lot of gay men who were very sexist and racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, like, Yes. Uh, Also, absolutely, 100%, if they were caught, horrific things would happen to them. But I'm also going to say, a lot of those white gay guys were in power regardless. So, I I was like, no, 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 we can't just make them allies just because they're also marginalized immediately. And then I kind of felt the same way. I was like, no, 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 like, I'm this, this, you know, Frampton is great. And I'm really glad, but also a man in power, essentially. Like, he's still got more power than her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, we could easily show him also being just a little sexist. (laughs) No, 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 but he's Mm -hmm. also fucking great. (laughs) I'm like, I'm sorry, we need... Like, all the ladies can't be wonderful, except for her ex-girlfriend, who's a bitch. Um, 
And all, like, all the straight white... A Who's bitch. But yeah. car- again, cartoonishly villain. Cartoonishly villain. And I was like, this book was doing so many good, fun things. And why couldn't we just keep doing those things? <laughs> why did we also have to have cartoon villains? Anyway, go ahead. Like, people were awful enough. Awful enough all by themselves to not also be cartoonishly villainous. So I want to point out really fast, it, the, one of the big reveals is at the end is that the, the French uh, space mather, uh, Oleron, was actually a woman. It was actually a black woman. Uh-huh. So, ta-da! ta-da! And it changes, changes everyone's minds. And, like, and I was like, oh, anyway. so it's an alternative history now. It's not just like a right, side-by-us right. history. It's an alternative history. Like, honestly, right. fuck you. Uh, she was pretty. She great, was though. awesome. I fucking loved her. <laughs> I loved her. Yeah. But I also kind of wanted her. Like I loved her. I also kind of wanted her to be a dude. I'm just gonna throw it out there. I I just wanted a dude to look at all these other fucking dudes and go, "You dudes are the worst." <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you like, guys? Like, like come she's on. great. I'm gonna like. Why is you? Well, you're you're wrong and weird. Stop being wrong and weird. Like, I just wanted a dude to say that to other dudes. That's fair. That's fair. But also, I like Okay. Her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we need to talk about the fight. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, things leading up to the fight. One, Lucy tells Catherine that she, now that she's had some time away from Pris that she realized that their love was in a lot of ways very naive and immature and depended on them being in that little town and like us against the world kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And now that she's doing her own thing, she realized that like it belongs in the past and there we go. Mm -hmm. Other things that have happened leading up to this letter uh, or this fight, Lucy gets the letter from Pris, because there's a point where Lucy and Catherine have to flee town, not have to, decide to flee town, and go back to Lucy's hometown, and they run into Pris and her husband. Sorry, real quick aside, her husband knows that Pris and Lucy were together and knows that she will never love him the way that he loves her, but he loves her so very deeply, and it is so very sad. And and it is very sad, and I'm also going to say it is just to make Pris a worse person. Like, it is just to make her a worse person. It's just to make her more villainous. It doesn't even set him up to be a good person, necessarily, so that he's our, like, one good straight guy. He's just... A, he's a victim of the of the cartoon villain. But also, sure, it was heartbreaking. Sure. But he it was does, heartbreaking. He does... Yeah, he just go out of his way to, like, tell Catherine that he's happy that... Because he... he he knew how upset Lucy was about the marriage and telling Catherine that he's happy that Catherine's there for Lucy and that Lucy's found happiness there. Cause he, because he doesn't wish anyone ill. Cause it's just, he's in love with this woman and she agreed to marry him. And anyway, so after that, Pris sends Lucy a letter that is written in their code. And the code says, I still love. And Lucy gets she reads the letter she gets angry like she's storming around the room angry at pris for writing her this letter and Catherine's like what are you so upset about and then lucy explains the code and like this is what it says and why she's so angry about it 
And then that's the moment when Catherine decides that Lucy's still in love with Pris and is going to leave her. Yeah, despite all the things. Despite all the things. Everything. Despite everything. Mm -hmm. And there's this, there's this, like, weird thing, this weird undercurrent where they talk about what it means to be in a relationship that isn't a marriage like a legally a legal marriage that they aren't like tied to each other and there's a point where Catherine's like maybe a because uh, she after the husband died she had an affair with some guy um they got into a little bdsm Catherine's like i kind of liked it and lucy's like no it's okay that you liked it it's not okay that he didn't talk to you about yeah. it um so then they have a sex scene that's a little dom sub and that was pretty damn hot. it was it was a good scene um it was a good scene um so all these things pointing to Lucy obviously is in love with Catherine and not Pris. Oh, to finish my thought, sorry, that Catherine's like, oh, maybe a female lover is exactly what I need because there's no chance of us getting married. So like, I can leave whenever I want kind of thing. But then it's like, oh, now we're together. But are we actually together if we aren't legally bound to each other? And I'm like, we don't, a, a modern audience doesn't need that anyway. Um, so we know, like, I don't, I can't think of a single person who's reading this book and actually believes that Lucy's going to leave Catherine for Pris. Yeah, no, not a single person. Not a single person. And I mean, they've set up Catherine to be pretty unsure of herself, to be <laughs> in ways that sometimes made no sense, but fine. Um, they've <laughs> set her up to be unsure of herself, to be a victim of obvious gaslighting. So she's going to like just defer to what people tell her. Um, and, like, also, I mean, because she went through it so much, not because, like, you know, it's just because mm -hmm. it's safer for her to do so. She fell into a rhythm. Mm -hmm. It was safer for her to just go along. So that's what she does. And so she, we've got this, like, she doesn't know who she is. Uh, she's doing things to, to create safety for herself, which sometimes makes, makes it she goes along to get along. And she's, like... She just, uh, she's trying to be as selfless as possible. So whatever anybody else needs and she can't complain. She can never complain because again, back to like trying to secure safety for herself because of her past relationship. That all makes sense. That all makes sense. But the relationship she's had with this woman has shown us that she can change, that Catherine can be different and that Catherine <laughs> trusts Lucy and it goes out of its way, like, the narrative goes out of its way to be, like, Catherine sees Lucy do something that sort of reminds her of her husband, so then she, like, girds herself for it, but then Lucy's reaction is completely different, because she's not a right. monster, and so it's Catherine learning, like, oh, not every scientist is like my late husband, and, you know... And I, now I can do my own thing and oh what it's like to have a lover who's supportive of you and, and there's several run-ins with jealousy where Catherine is like oh my god maybe she wants to be with that guy oh my god maybe she actually wants to be with that girl oh my god maybe she wants that like all the time <laughs> she wants to be with that guy but that guy's gay oh my god like and she's like freaking out about it but to the point where every time Lucy's like no I want to be with you including about Pris like they already yes. had this conversation there was no reason for this fight and there was no, and it went on right. for, for, the fight went on for forever. And then the, the, them being parted from each other went on for forever. And the miscommunication went on for forever. It was like, fuck this. Yeah. Because Catherine decides that, um, uh, 
Lucy's leaving her for Pris, so she acts accordingly. And because of that, Lucy thinks that Catherine is going to be kicking her to the curb because she doesn't want to be her patroness anymore. And it's just like, we were doing so well up to this point. What is happening? Like, like the only logical explanation I can think of, honestly, is that the the, the author wanted us to be frustrated reading this book because we knew that Catherine was being irrational, mm-hmm. but she was doing it anyway, and we had to suffer through that with her, and, and the author wanted us to, to, to deal with that, because I cannot think of a single human being reading this book would be like, oh, she might leave her for Chris. And, and the Nobody. thing is, they actually had a much more ingrained and important conflict that they could she could have gone for which after they've gotten over the jealousy after they've gotten over all of this like like Catherine's fear of dedicating herself to this woman who is dedicated to science and that like Catherine will do the same thing she did with her husband which is like follow her around the globe ignore her own wants when through Lucy she's found herself she's found things that she loves about herself and that there and Lucy has found so much success and is and is is de, like her presence is demanded places. She could go places. She could go to Australia to see the Southern Stars, and and Catherine would want to go to her. But would that mean losing a sense of self? That is an argument that those two could rationally have. Yes. And like and Lucy herself not wanting this woman to to lose herself again, not wanting that for Catherine, mm-hmm. but also genuinely wanting this for herself. And like mm-hmm. knowing like, she's like, of course, if you don't feel comfortable traveling the world again and being on somebody's side, I understand that, but I do want to go. That is a huge problem. And one that like, actually, and like, and Catherine's like, and I also don't want to support you because I spent my whole life supporting this other man. And I also feel guilty talking to somebody I love about money. And like Lucy genuinely saying, look, I've depended on you. Like, I'm probably going to need money. (laughs) And if we're together, you are going to have to financially support me. And it sucks. And I don't know what to do about that. And I'm trying to earn my own money, but it's probably never going to happen. Like, and them having to have those conversations, which suck, but make so much more sense. Yes. Uh, so I just, I just like the 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 first definitely quarter, probably half of this book. I was like, okay, okay, we're doing it, we're doing it, we're making up for lost time, and then it just kind of goes nuts. So, and I'm like, oh. half the time too. Whenever these men were having discussions about how women can't be in science, I was like, wait until you find out they're lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say. Do you Look, they get else? together at the end. There's some exceedingly gorgeous passages in this. Like, the way they talk about the stars, the most important thing, the way they talk about embroidery um, is <gasps> luscious. And, like, if you've ever, mm-hmm. if you've ever laughed at a, a joke, which I have, about, like, an accomplished woman, oh, my God, all she does is sit and embroider pillows all day, this book will make you feel guilty about that. <laughs> because, one... <laughs> embroidery is hard. 
Two, mm-hmm. if you look around a Victorian dining, you know, a Victorian drawing room and see embroidery everywhere, a fucking woman did that. And you have been ignoring it and sitting on it. Literally, your butt's been sitting on it. And you've thought, how fucking beautiful is this couch? Now let me have my tea. And a woman did that. And you've decided to just think of it as nothing. And like every time you've laughed at like a joke of a woman, like, well, all she can do is sit around and embroider and not actually think about the art that goes into it, the love that might have gone into it, or the fact that she's she can't choose it and didn't ever want to choose it for herself, but this is the only way to express herself. This book will make you feel guilty about that. And for that reason, hell yeah, this book. Right. Hey, yeah, there's so much about this book that I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And then just like that dumb fight. Ugh. Honestly, anyway. I easily could have read a book where it was just these two women in her like dead husband's draw- like office going over science and doing embroidery and talking about each other's lives to each other and then slowly learning to love each other. Like honestly, that I, book would have like probably won a Pulitzer. I want to see that play. Same. Yeah. Write that play. Yeah. Okay. That, that was, was that, that book. book. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's play Fuck Mary. 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 Fuck Okay, okay. Um, do you want one where it's choosing between great people or one that's choosing between terrible uh, people? Oh, let's choose between terrible people. Okay. Claire. Yes. Fuck, Mary kill. Uh-huh. Lincoln, Link, Lightning, Ripley. Uh-huh. Mr. Holly. Uh-huh. And Pris. Oh. Well, okay, I think I, uh, oh no, oh no, okay, okay, I'm gonna fuck Pris, okay, because I get the feeling she knows what she's up to, like, she's, she's, she's pretty good there, I mean, five years with, and, see, that was my first thought, but they only have each other, yes, but, Considering how Lucy herself seems to be skilled, is also like emotionally intelligent in that area, and that is her last girlfriend, I'm going to say they learned a okay, lot together. Okay, okay. okay. And that's it, right, that's fair. And it was actually, despite the fact that Pris is a bitch, the sex sounds consensual, so... Pris was such a bitch. Such a bitch. So, but I'm going to fuck her, I'm not going to marry her. But that's fair. But here's the awful thing I'm going to do. I am going to, to marry... Lincoln, Link, Lightning, Ripley, because he's rich, but also inevitably, I think he will support my career eventually. I think Mr. Hawley Mm -hmm. is a crazy man who's insane and probably has his sister in an attic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because we only ever heard about her through a ladder, so she might be in his attic. 
Well, and he says, he says one time, he's like, she hasn't talked to me in years. Because, like, uh, Lucy's like, you need to apologize to your sister. Oh, no, no, no. Catherine says that to him. You need to apologize to your sister. And he's like, mm-hmm. she hasn't talked to me in years. And I'm like, we'll just go up to the attic, asshole. Like, I, I thought that. And I don't know if it's true or not. Because she called her up in the attic. <laughs> of course she hasn't. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So, I'm I'm, that's what I'm going to... for. It. I'm not happy about my choices, but I'm doing it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I'm going to marry Pris, and we're both just going to have our own love lives. Mm-hmm. And we'll be fine. Um, yeah. And as much as... Uh, yeah. 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 That's, that's That sounds fair. That's why she's doing what she's doing. So she can get money and then still do her own thing. Which, I'm, I'm fine with that. Whatever. I'll go have an affair with Mr. Violet, the the low-born artist friend of her, of Lucy's brother. Um, and as much as I agree with marrying Link for that ranch, I'm just going to fuck him. <laughs> he seems good at it. He seems to know what he's about. Uh, there's a point where Shelley literally calls him a rocket man. <laughs> just wanted to be like, boo. Um, I think it's also important seems- to say the author calls her husband her very own rocket man. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We now know um, about her love life. Yeah, and um, I know how to stand up for myself more. That if he's fucking me on the floor and I don't like it, I'll be like, "Hey, asshole, get the fuck off!" We're me. moving. We're moving. Um, and then I'm going to kill Mr. Holly because he's the worst. And then I can go into his house and free his sister from the attic mm-hmm. you're free <laughs> you're free go pursue science <laughs> oh, poor thing poor thing ah uh, indeed okay you ready yes neil fuck mary kill uh-huh a botanist okay an astronomer okay a mathematician okay I think I'm going to marry a botanist because then there will be plants all over the house. And if I feel like going with them to South America or Asia or somewhere, then I can go with them and, and, and he, she, or they will look at plants. I'll look at some plants, but mostly like learn how to cook and do some needlepoint and stuff. Um, I think I'll, I'll fuck an astronomer simply because I feel like if I were to be naked in front of a mathematician, they'd be doing proportion calculations. <laughs> I'm sure that's not true, but that's what I would imagine happening. And I don't want a human being to do that to me. So, and then I also feel like it wouldn't be difficult to, to convince an astronomer to have sex on a blanket under the stars. And that sounds lovely. So, and then, and then I'm going to kill a mathematician also just because math is of those things, the thing that I enjoy the least. Mm. I know it's very important. I know that there are people who are very, very good at it. And I'm glad that they exist and can do that so that I don't have to. But unfortunately, the rules are the rules and I'm going to kill a mathematician. (laughs) What about you, Claire? Um... I am going to, um, 
I am also going to kill a mathematician, if only because um, myself being abhorrent at math <laughs> <laughs> and like in embarrassing ways, um, in ways that make me feel inadequate as a human being. Um, <laughs> but only because, <laughs> only because I've known mathematicians who are so very good at it and they don't also like know how to do taxes or balance like checkbooks or like <laughs> they or calculate tip quickly like because they're doing higher level big math which is like amazing <laughs> things and they're very good at it and like congratulations but i'm still going to be left doing the shit math and when i get it wrong they're still going to make fun of me <laughs> I love, I just, I love the phrase, I'm still going to get left doing the shit math. <laughs> the Claire Rice story. So unfortunately, I'm going to kill a mathematician, but I, I respect every mathematician and people who are very good at math. And again, <laughs> that's the game. Yeah. Among other, like, professions, I'd probably fuck a mathematician. But, you know, what can I say? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm absolutely going to marry a botanist for the exact same reasons that Neil says. Like, <laughs> oh my god! In, the, in a funny way, I am also shit at plants, but the thing is, I think they would take over my succulents for me. <laughs> yes. And I yes. could just be surrounded by them in a delightful way that makes me feel better about my life. So, hooray! <laughs> if he, she, or they were a botanist of means in Victorian London, you'd have a whole greenhouse. Oh god, a conservatory! A conservatory. I'm very excited about that. And I right. also want to fuck an astronomer. And mm -hmm. honestly, like, astronomy was my favorite class in college. Um, I loved going out in the stars. I would say, like, um, I, I disagree. I think while they would be up for having sex under the stars at night, I would also say that it probably wouldn't have as much appeal to them if only because they're out there all the fucking time. And they're like, it's... <laughs> And also, I've been out looking at stars at night several nights in a row, and I will tell you, I, I also feel what Catherine feels. It is cold. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is often boring. And it is often, like, you're, it's so fucking dark. You gotta, your eyes have to, like, be in the dark for so long. You can't see fucking shit after, even though. Like, you're just, like, these shadows of people come near you, and you're like, I guess you're a person. I guess you're a person. And they say things to you, and you look up, and you can't see shit out there. I have to Might say, be fun for an orgy, though. Might be fun yeah, for an orgy. I have to say, with uh, them, like, oh, they're out there all the time. It's like surprising someone at their work with sex. Who doesn't like that? I don't. I don't. Yeah. Hopefully they like so. it, because that's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> great. Great, great, great. Anyway. Okay. Uh, and all the care of all the characters, mm -hmm. who would you fuck? Who would you marry? And who would you kill? Ooh, um, I would marry Catherine. Um, as okay. soon as she gets over herself, I'm gonna love the shit out of her. She mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. she's moneyed, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and she's also very supportive of anybody else's career. She is exceedingly intelligent, and as soon as mm -hmm. she gets over mm -hmm. herself and remembers that, she's gonna be a delight to talk to. Um, she has a fun fashion sense and a fun sense of stuff. Like, she has mm -hmm. these crazy-ass cups with lizards on them. Like, <laughs> like, why is she going around pretending to be like a prim and proper lady when her teacups have lizards and she loves it? 
true. It's true. It's true. Also, she loved her mother's collection of dead stuffed animals. And I mean, like, and all of like the, you know, the, the pins and butterflies and all that. She loves that shit. She's probably morbid as fuck when you get down to it. I bet she is so <laughs> goth. Anyway, she'd be super fun to be married to. Um, uh, I, I think I'd like to fuck Frampton. Because mm-hmm. uh, I support him. So, and I, that feels like the best way to do it. And <laughs> um, in this game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to kill uh, Lincoln Link Lightning Ripley because that man is trash. That man is trash. Trash. Even up against all of the other villains. Like, even though I did choose to have sex with him, it was over, like, other options. Um, I would actually kill him if all the other people just exist. Because mm-hmm. I... Ugh. Because he seems the closest to an actual person. He was a trash man. And that makes it worse. He's yep. trash. Yep. Um, I am going to fuck the... Uh, Marquise Oléron. Oh, yeah. Because she seems like she knows what she's up to. Um, I don't think it said specifically that she's a lesbian, so maybe she'd be into it. I hope she would. Um, And then I think, I feel like it would involve like a boat somewhere. I don't know. (laughs) It'd be be great. It'd be great. Um, My first instinct was to marry Catherine. But I don't want her to be in another loveless marriage with some guy that she's not into. So instead, I'm going to marry Frampton. Um, He was great. And he can, like, go do his his doodads. And I'll say, well done, honey. I'm very proud of you. I'm going to go hang out with Catherine and do art things. Um, And then I am also going to kill Lincoln Link Lightning Ripley because... Garbage. garbage. He's garbage. Garbage. He's awful. He is up there with our le- with one of our least favorites. Uh, mm-hmm. Rourke. Rourke. Fucking Rourke and Ripley. <gasps> they should be together. They'd be Rourkely. Yeah, I actually think they'd get along. <laughs> and, but they'd but they'd also end up killing each other. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Our job is done for us. <laughs> Great. And the books. And the books. Um, I, this is, this is really hard because, okay, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to kill Cosmic Rendezvous. Okay. But I feel bad about it because I want Shelley in, like, half of the romance books we ever read. Like, she was great. And I want better things for her, but the book refused to give her things that she deserved. Mm-hmm. And for that, I shall kill it, which is very sad. Um, so maybe I won't kill Maybe I'll just like snub it at a party or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And then uh, the lady's got to celestial mechanics. Like, <sighs> I'm going to fuck it probably have like a sex weekend with it because there was so much of it that I loved and I I from like from the beginning I was like this is going to be such a good book mm-hmm. and then 
those several things just like were enough that I was that that I felt like severely disappointed and kind of upset and very frustrated with that whole fight scene. Um, but I I don't I don't think it's enough to kill it. <sighs> so I, I guess I'll I guess I'll fuck it, but but I know that there's <laughs> like I imagine. Fuck it. Well, I'm going to fuck this book and then we'll have a misunderstanding fight. And it'll be very <laughs> frustrating. Um, so, yeah. And I, that's what I am signing up for, I guess. So, but like, I want. <sighs> I want to. I, I so badly want to read another one of this writer's books and to have it have fixed all of these problems. Like, I want this writer to be a phenomenal writer who writes phenomenal books. Like, I want that for her. I feel that she deserves, she is deserving of it if she just, like, does a little more work, you know? I I hope so. I hope so. I think, for me, I'm going to fuck A Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics, because I think there was so much that was that was good in it, that was enjoyable mm-hmm. enough. Um, I had a lot of problems with the history. I had a lot of problems, obviously, with some of that stuff, but, like... Some of it was just so very good and so very enjoyable that I was that I'm on board enough. I'm on board enough. Um, I'm killing okay. Cosmic Rendezvous and I feel no guilt about it. And it's That's not fair. not just because of the guy. It's because I'm sorry. Chapters. You just figure out chapters. <laughs> this feels basic. Ch- figure out fucking chapters. And hey, the the motivation for the saboteur. We're just going to mention it at the very end. And reference things that we haven't talked about. And here's the thing. It's like, okay, here's, okay. So show don't tell, like, is a difficult concept to get around. But here's the thing. If your villain can absolutely be the one to tell you a thing, let him tell you. Why would you tell us about somebody telling you something in the moment it happened? Also, there's a part where we see Quincy playing poker with everyone. And his behavior is not unusual. His behavior does not hint at the fact that he is someone who is in severe gambling debt, enough that he is afraid. No. In fact, he quit the game early. <laughs> yeah. So even, like, if if we had that scene and then a small scene where they had to deal with that other company for one reason or another, that, that would have been enough. Ugh. Okay. Um, yes. Okay. So, anyway, so let's that. go. Let's go. Let's move on. To the stars. To the stars. Is it time for our favorite game? Yes. Christine, yes! Ah, we haven't played this game in so long. We haven't. It's so exciting. Um, I'm a quiver with anticipation. A quiver. A quiver. A quiver. <laughs> Okay, I am ready right. to guess. I I'm out of practice now. It's been a long time, so get ready for something stupid to come out of my mouth. Great, great, great <laughs> I'm so great. excited. Okay, all right. Okay, are you ready? Hit me. Yes. Ready. The Hating Game by Sally Thorne and The Hate Project: The Love Study Book Two by Chris Ripper. <laughs> I have to tell you my very first thought because hate is obviously some kind of theme. Um, <laughs> it's uh, 
Is it Twitter? (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you, I did almost pick a Twitter romance and I did almost look for another one to match it, but I decided to not do it. But almost, that is, that was almost the theme, but it is not this time. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I I have a guess, but do you have any more, Christine? Keep going, because I feel like I'm percolating one, but don't quite have it. Maybe you have it. I think I have it, but if you have more guesses, because your guesses are more fun than mine. Um, well, I want to say, like, what could hate, like, the hating game? Um, ooh, I wonder if it's, like, if it's a pun on the dating game, which... Would be then it's like bad fix-ups or something. I don't know. Uh, you are gonna kick yourself when I tell you what the theme is. Is it? Oh no! <laughs> is it enemies to lovers? It is hate to love. It yep. is hate to. Oh love. my god! <laughs> <laughs> Told you, matter of fact. Yeah. I think I got. I got the last one. That's like the last one I'm ever gonna get. <laughs> yeah, I thought like I thought like for 2021, uh, I was just gonna maybe straight up do um, you know tropes. So mm-hmm. yeah, maybe of course who knows what I'm gonna pick next. But our the this is a trope, and the trope is hate to love. So I picked two two books: the Hating Game and the Hate Project. I think that's a great way to start 2021. <laughs> Something that's like a a complete like reversal of like hate to love. That's that's America, isn't it? <laughs> it's America. I have to say though, the hate Hopefully. project <laughs> is a terrible title for a book because in my mind, when I hear the something project, the first thing I think of is the Trevor project. Yeah, um, and then like the hate project is something is like the anti Trevor project project. And it's like, I'm here to be angry and spread hate across America. Like some fucking Care Bears movie or something. And it, it makes me sad. I'm sure that's not what the book is about. God, but. I hope not. You know me. I, I like, never read the thing. <laughs> oh, if it turns out that's what it is, I will be embarrassed. <laughs> But can I just clarify for a second, uh, like a Care Bears movie, like a hate bear, like is, is hate bear one of the hate, one of the bears? No, the the villain is always like purposefully trying to spread hate throughout the world. And then oh, the Care Bears. Like a Gargamel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the Care Bears always I, stop him with love. I see. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, that'll be fun. I hate this trope, but let's go. <laughs> Maybe by the end I'll love it. I mean, right? This is like enemies to lovers. It's your enemy. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually think enemies to lovers is slightly different than hate to love. And like, oh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. Um, I, I, because I do feel like enemies to lovers is when you may have a hate for them, or you may have like a learned hate, like you're told to hate this person. So like. Somebody who's just on the opposite side of you. So, like, two people follow, who are, like, on different teams, on different of a war, or, like, on different, like, different CEOs of different, like, companies. Like, I feel like those are set up as enemies to lovers. 
Romeo and Juliet, enemies mm. to lovers type of thing in some ways. I mean, Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. is its own trope, but um, and it, yeah. that's kind of where I feel enemies to lovers falls, which can have hate to love in it. Hate to love is the actual emotion is something you feel because of something the other person has done directly to you or like because of the investment you two have in each other for whatever reason. I've always felt that way. And mm. I don't know how others feel. If, if you feel differently, weigh in on the Twitter or the emails and all the things. But like, I've, that's always been the distinction for me. Mm. Okay. Mm. But both tropes well, we'll are happens. exceedingly hard to pull off. Yes. Yes, they are. They are. They are not easy because inevitably, like, you have to have certain feelings about them. And I feel like because Cosmic and the reason I did this was because Cosmic Rendezvous wanted to be a hate to love mm-hmm. trope. But I always hated Link and I was never going to love him. <laughs> I, I feel like hate to love is the Midsummer Night's dream of romance tropes. It is done to death, but very rarely is it done well. Right. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Um, anyway, so that's next time. Um, yeah. I am optimistic excited. about your reviews. <laughs> 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 thank you, Claire. Well, and thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. Um, thank you, listeners. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, authors. Thank you, authors. Um, I am very interested. Thank you, stars. Thank you, stars. Thank you, scientists. Thank you, people who go out of our <laughs> universe and into the other universes. I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. I saw Alien last night. I'm only afraid of the stars now. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess all we have left to say is... Hopefully. If you can continue to do so <laughs> safely and consensually... Keep